And a resounding good afternoon, peace and grace. Once again, here we are together. And I'm so happy to be in your presence. Peace and grace, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful June 4th, 2022, Saturday, and it's absolutely gorgeous outside. How's everybody feeling today? I do indeed pray that you are well. I'm Rochelle Wilson, and I will be your journalist for the next hour. We can sit and chit-chat about what's important in criminal justice and prison and justice across the board. We will do that together. The phone lines are 844-944-3953. And in just a little bit, I will open those lines so that I can hear your thoughts and your opinions on today's commentary. But it is an absolutely gorgeous day outside. Uh, at last standing, we had 84 degrees. 84 degrees. And that's not bad, ladies and gentlemen. That's not bad at all. So I wanted to start a little bit with just kind of uh, going back on something that we had talked about not so long ago. And of course, we know many of us are following the trial of the officer uh, that shot and murdered Patrick Loyola. Uh, in the back of the head. And so we all have, by now, all of us have seen that body camera footage and we know what happened. And so now we are watching to see what's going to happen to that police officer uh, in a court of law. I am speaking absolutely judicially. We're also continuing to keep our eyes on Kim Potter. Uh, Kim Potter is the murderer of Dante Wright. Uh, allegedly, it was a fatal mix-up. That's her defense. It was a fatal mix-up between her taser and her sidearm, her firearm. And so these two people, we want to keep a close eye on how it goes down with them when we get to the courthouse. First and foremost, will America put them on trial? This is a question that I'm certainly interested uh, and having the answer to, and perhaps you're interested in knowing the answer to that as well. There are people who are serving 25, 30, 40 years of incarceration for crimes that uh, I would say are mediocre. They were non-murderous crimes, let me put it that way. They were not rape, they were not child uh, you know, endangerment cases, and they are not murderers. So those kinds of things, you know, we, we, we have to be kind of tough. If you're raping children, raping people, murdering people, uh, that's a tough cookie, and there have to be some consequences for that outside of your guilty conscience, because trust me, the moment you pull the trigger, uh, or you hurt or offend a child, the karma immediately kicks in and you, you have to feel some level of remorse and guilt for what you have done. So I'm not talking about those crimes. I'm talking about our uh, non-offensive robberies, maybe our home invasion burglaries, but no one got hurt. They came in, they stole your silver uh, candle holders and some silver plates and they ran out the back door. Like those to me are mediocre 
perhaps medium level crimes in comparison to the ones I forementioned uh, of rape, raping children, child sex trafficking, any of those kinds of things deserve to have um, a set of consequences to teach the lesson that needs to be learned. However, for the person who just did the mediocre uh, level of crime, you know, they're sitting in prison for 25 and 30 years based on their sentence from 19, you know, uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever. And they're still sitting in, in prison today for those mediocre type crimes, non-serious harm, injuring human life crimes, those kinds of things. Um, when I look at that, ladies and gentlemen, and I see that they are sitting there for 25, 30, and 40 years, and then I look at these two proven, proven murderers, Kimberly Potter and the officer, uh, and if you have that name to the officer, please feel free to share that with me. I'd love to know his name. I've Google searched it. I've looked everywhere on YouTube. I cannot find his name. Uh, of the officer that shot Patrick Loyola in the back of the head. But at any point, I look at these two proven murderers. I look at them. And I say, will they ever see the inside of a prison for 25 plus years? Will they ever see the inside of a prison for 25 plus years? While there are people who have committed low offense or non-violent, non-life-threatening crimes, and yet they're sitting in prison for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. Something's wrong with that. So I can't wait to see how this is going to come down. I, I even look at Derek Chauvin. I look at Derek Chauvin's sentence, and please feel free to correct me if I misunderstood the verdict. Uh, I believe the, the judge said 20 years for Derek Chauvin, 20. Please correct me if I'm inaccurate in my reporting. 20 years to Derek Chauvin for putting his knee in George Floyd's neck. And then the other little uh, crony officers that were with him, will any of them ever see 25 years of incarceration behind the wall, behind the wall? Will they see it? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to make this a, a color thing. I, I'm not attempting to play the race card, as they call it, uh, the colloquialism race card. That's not what I'm doing here. But what I am saying is it's very clear that our judicial system, our justice systems, start in the courtrooms. In my opinion, now maybe you say it starts out with the police force. I say it starts in the courtrooms with the judges. Our entire justice system starts with judicial accountability. Whatever happens to Kimberly Potter, what did happen to Derek Chauvin, what will happen to the officer that murdered Patrick Loyola, will rest in the hands or did rest in the hands of the judge that sentenced them. 
because prosecution will do everything in its power to do its job, which is prosecute. That's your job, to prosecute. Defense will do everything in its power to do its job, and that is to defend. Now we know that some attorneys are a little bit more lax than others when it comes to either one of those, whether it's prosecution or defense. And then there are times when prosecution does not go as passionately after some people as it will after others. This is where I need your help. Somebody tell me the name of the 17-year-old boy that went to the Black Lives Matter rally with a rifle, I believe it was an automatic rifle, and shot up folks at the Black Lives rally. Uh, was that, where was that? It is escaping my mind at this moment. But that young fella? <laughs> Why is it that prosecution did not go after him with full force and passion of the law? Why is that? Why does prosecution sometimes go really hard on some folks and then other people, they kind of take it easy, you know, and we want to give them a break and we'll be careful because they're young and, you know, all of these reasons why they don't want to severely prosecute. We look at Peyton Gendron, shot up uh, the Topps Market. Stopped in the middle of his massacre rampage to tell one of his victims, I apologize for shooting you. It was an accident. I didn't mean to shoot you. Got up and continued on his rampage, his massacre. But he's only 18 years old. He had been listening to the replacement theory by Tucker Conway. I believe it's Tucker Conway or Tucker Connolly. The replacement theory. Google it. Look it up for yourself. So some people, prosecution, uh, seems to have all this compassion for. And then there are other people that prosecution goes after with the full force of the law. You don't think judges recognize that? Just because a judge has sworn an oath to be impartial, which is their job, it's in their oath. It's in their oath. To be impartial and to not take on personal feelings or thoughts or viewpoints about a particular situation. It's much like a journalist. You have to be neutral and only base your sentences, your judgments on the law. On the law. That's where we differ. Journalists must be neutral and base our commentary, our reports, on facts and truth. And if it's not a factual truth, we have to disclaim ourselves in saying, in my opinion. I am of the opinion that. It is my personal belief that. This is what a journalist must do, and it's an oath. And you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. The oath of a journalist. It's a little bit more extensive than that. That's the short version. It's a very powerful position to sit here in front of the microphone and disseminate information to the masses of people. That is a responsibility 
That is a job. That is a duty that we must take with due care. And we must take it seriously. And I can tell you, I do. And there are other journalists I know, they do. But just like some journalists will, will play the eight card, there are some judges that will step outside of judicial discretion, outside of their judicial authority, but will cloak it and massage it under the language of the law. And you got to know, you got to know the law. In order to understand if a judge is cloaking, remember he wears a black robe, from the world of magic, we would call those cloaks. He cloaks himself in a black robe. There's so many symbolisms in the courtroom, ladies and gentlemen. You almost really have to study Masonic law to understand, to fully comprehend the signs and the symbols that take place inside of America's courtrooms. Some things are on the left. Some things are on the right. The judge sits in the middle. And remember, it is the reverse of whatever you're seeing. His left is your right. His right is your left. So all of these things are very symbolic. You face the east. The judge faces the west in most cases in a courtroom. But you got to know the symbols. And in order to know the symbols, you almost have to study Masonic law. Because as much as America wants to say that they created and did everything, much of everything that America has was stolen from the people who already had created it here upon these lands. People don't want to talk about that. So, okay, I won't go too far down that road because I don't want to offend anyone. But I am obligated, as I just mentioned, I took an oath to speak the truth, to speak factual information, to disseminate factual information to you. And I study and I do my research. Now that doesn't make me perfect. I definitely can make a mistake. And hey, that's why I ask you, call me on it, make me qualify it. But I promise you, I'm sitting up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning and I'm studying, Googling, reading, researching and learning. Sometimes I have so much information in my head, I'm not sure what I should tell you when I sit in front of this microphone. What information is most pertinent to you today? But I believe that we sit in a world, we live in a world where any one of us at any given point or moment and as I stated, I'm not trying to play the race card, but I got to bring it back and tell you that some people, some nationalities in America just have a target on their backs just because of the color of their skin, a target on their back. And when we get into these courtrooms in America, we stand there and do the best that we know how to do to speak up, to lift our voice, and to speak our truth to that judge, 
prosecution and defense if given an opportunity to speak. Sometimes we're not even given an opportunity or it's there, but we don't take advantage of it. You always have an opportunity to speak. It's your First Amendment right. Although the Constitution was written in, in uh, 1787, it was not written for black people. It was not written for black, brown, and golden people. Because in 1787, the Constitution was framed by the framers, and many of them were slave owners. So the Constitution, technically, the Constitution of the United States was written for those people. The people who were not indebted, not in bondage, not enslaved. The people that had 40 acres, $100, and a mule. Anyone outside of that, the Constitution was not written for us, nor was it written by us. But we do get an opportunity since the 13th, 14th, and 15th uh, kicked in. <laughs> we, we, we do have a right to exercise the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, and self-defense. You have a right to defend yourself in a court of law. I don't care if you got 50 lawyers, you have a right to stand up and speak. But let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, let me warn you, beware. When you open your mouth to that judge, because that's the only person in the courtroom that matters. When you open your mouth, you're speaking to the judge. Everyone else can sit down and be quiet. But when you open your mouth to that judge, make sure that you know who you are in a standing of law, know who you are, know your rights, and comprehend, not understand, but comprehend the charges, like a credit card, you're being charged, but they're going to take it out on your backside. Know the charges that have been brought against you. Oftentimes in a courtroom, we will find that they stack. It's called stacking. They will stack the charges. 10, 5, 15, 20 charges, as many as they can possibly come up with. Whatever is in the books available, they'll stack you. So now you've got 15 charges, which gives them what? Negotiating power. Now they have something to negotiate with. If you do this, I'll take these five charges off. If you do this, I'll take six or seven charges off. We'll drop those. No le prosique. No prosecution. Recognize, comprehend, study the charges before you open your mouth in the courtroom and speak to the judge. This is my strong encouragement to you. You're listening to Rochelle Wilson, 
for make some intelligent noise, the justice movement, where I advocate for justice across the board, fair and equitable justice for all. I do it today in prayer and work and labor that the posterity of tomorrow might have a fair level playing field. I don't know that I will see it in my lifetime. Perhaps, give it all joy, shout it, count it all joy if I do. I would love to see that happen. But if I move on into transition and the posterity, the children's children's children are still here, perhaps the work that I do today as an advocate, lifting my voice to make some intelligent noise, will save those children later on. Perhaps it will be impactful enough that lives will be saved later on. If I see it in my lifetime, if I can see true equitable justice in 2022, yes, count it all joy. But these are the important things that we need to recognize. Justice in the courtrooms in America really sets the precedence for the entire justice system in America. <laughs> Peace and grace to my Facebook friends and family, giving you a shout out. I love you. Thank you for staying tuned in with me. You have been faithful, uh, true comrades from the very beginning, and I personally personally appreciate and adore you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. From me to you. Thank you so much. Peace and grace. Kings and queens and all my boss and babes out there now. Don't get it twisted. To all my boss and babes. We deliver on boss levels. Alright? You remember that. Boss and babes deliver on boss levels. And today you have the boss and babe, Rochelle Wilson speaking to you from Make some intelligent noise at WHGE 95.3 FM. We are the only brown, black, and golden station in the state of Delaware, thus to date. That is history that has been made here with Eastside Pride. WHGE, thank you to Mr. Harmon Carey. And we welcome, as I've said before, we welcome and thank you to Mr. James Bailey and Kevin Johnson. Thank you so much for all the great work that you have done and are doing to lift up this radio station and into its greatness. Thank you so much, James Bailey and Eric Johnson. And always to Mr. Dr. Harmon Carey. Tune in for our jazz. Our jazz is blazing. I don't know where this man, well, actually I do. He did tell me. This is Mr. Harmon Carey's father's jazz collection of music. This was his father's collection of jazz music. You got to say bravo to Mr. Harmon Carey. 
because we've got the blazingest jazz. I mean, I know you can turn your radio on and hear Cardi B and uh, uh, Nicki Minaj and uh, Offset and Onset and all of these other people. But for those of us that have a more refined taste in our music selection, for those of us that are wise enough, seasoned enough, we're listening to jazz and the smooth grooves of 95.3 FM right here. So. When we look at judges' accountability in a courtroom and how it correlates or connects to the entire American justice system, the justice system, remember it's a system, it's a system that we are working, we being advocates such as myself, uh, right here at WHGE, we've got Brother Hanif Salam. Bravo and fist up to Brother Hanif Salam, who's kicking it now with WHGE. You can find him here every Sunday. Uh, check out our website. Go on the WHGE website, and there you will find out about all of the journalists, what time we come on, where we are, what is our platform, what are we talking about. But I love Brother Hanif Salam. He is a powerful advocate, and I'm so happy that he's on our team. Shout outs, Brother Hanif Salam, and a new family member to WHGE. So when you have advocates, we, and then good, solid, real performing legislators, public servants that we have elected into these offices, remember, they serve us. They serve the public. We are their constituents. So don't ever think that the politician has something over you, that you have to bow down to a politician, an elected public servant. They should meet you on equal ground because they are here to serve us, we the people. But they're working on changing laws uh, in connection with us advocates to change the laws in the systems, the systems of justice so that it will be fair and equitable for all of us. The only problem with that, outside of what we already know, our politics, and please join me here every Wednesday. Uh, I'm not sure if it's 3 to 4 or 4 to 5. But I'm, <laughs> I'll find out and I'll make sure that you know exactly when I'm here. Just turn me on at 3 and hopefully I'll be here. If not, I'll definitely be here at 4. Uh, there was a, a slight mix-up with our timing and our scheduling. But every Wednesday, somewhere between 3 and 4, you will find me here doing the Political Power Hour. And I strongly invite you to call in and participate in those conversations, those dialogues, as we learn politics together. We're going to explore beyond our limits. And we're going to learn exactly what everyone does so that when it comes time to push the button, pull the lever, push the curtain and all of that, we will be intelligent and well informed of what we're doing. So, because it's crucial, it's critical 
There's no time to make mistakes. This is a time to take it serious. We know that there are folks that don't want the justice systems to change. They want it to stay status quo as it has been, which keeps the target on some people's backs and keeps other folks. Well, the other folks just get to go and walk on about their daily business, go on about business as usual because they weren't prosecuted vigorously, rigorously, vigorously. The judge was lenient, lenient in his sentencing, his or her sentencing for some people and other people get 25, 35, 45 years. It takes place in the courtrooms and as much as no one wants to challenge the presiding judges of America, like I don't personally get it. What is it, the, the power that these people have that politicians, governors, senators, and all up the line of elected officials, they don't want it, they don't want to challenge the judge. They don't want to call them out if they've done something wrong. What is it about a judge in America that scares the bejesus out of everybody else? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe that makes me a fool because I don't see it. To me, a judge is a person who put on a black robe. They've got several years of college and some degrees. They've studied. I think that's wonderful. Well, guess what? I've been studying for 13 years. I have a beautiful black cloak at home and I wear it every single time I walk into the courthouse. When I walk into the courthouse, I have on my robe my black cloak and I've worn it for 13 years it's so ragged and torn you'd think I were somebody walking off the street if you saw me you would think oh my god can I get a needle and thread but I like it tattered and torn because it's my battle scars how many times have I stood before the judges and spoke and I spoke with knowledge and intelligence first and foremost knowing who I am because that's where the conversation starts ladies and gentlemen you gotta know who you are when you begin to address the courts and when you say the courts you're talking about the judge of course we're talking about the judge absolutely but you see most judges no let me change that every judge in America, every judge in America had to go through a Masonic trestle board. And I got to be careful how much I tell you because the Masons, uh, you know, I got to be careful how much I tell you. If you're a Mason, you already know what I'm saying. If you're not a Mason, then consider what I just gave you. I just dropped a jewel on you. The Masonic trestle board, every judge goes through initiation on the Masonic trestle board. Now you Google it, you look it up, you find out what that means. I could tell you, but I'd rather not on air. It's, 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 it gets deep. 
There's a lot of spirituality connected to that trestle board and colors. Did you know every day of the week has a different color that means something? Have you ever noticed uh, sentences on a Friday are different than if you're sentenced on a Wednesday? Those are intricate details that you would have to study in order to comprehend. I don't expect you to do that. That's why I'm here. So that I can tell you because I did the study, I did the homework, and I did the research so I can share that with you. But every judge, to become a judge in America, you must cross, successfully cross, the Masonic trestle board. Alright? So, once the judge has uh, crossed the Masonic trestle board, he is now officially initiated into his judgeship. And these are, these are things that are done secretly. They're not done in the public's eye. These are the things that take place behind the iron curtains, in the shadows, in the dark. And do not confuse Mason with Freemason. Freemason and Mason are two different things. Although uh, they have some of the synonymous laws, but one stole it from the other. One is a break-off of the original. Freemason and Mason. But they, they now they just kind of put it under Masonic order. But getting by that, now the judge is the judge and you want to open your mouth and defend yourself and speak up for yourself uh, in this courtroom. Start by knowing who you are. And don't wait until you get into a situation that you have to go to court where you begin to learn who you are. Because one of the first things the judge is going to do is hold up a piece of paper and ask you, is this you? Is this you, Miss Wilson? You know what Rochelle Wilson's going to say? No. That paper is not me. Whatever is written on that paper is not me. I am that I am. And I will continue to explain to the judge in the right language. The judge will hear me and immediately identify how to deal with me. The judge hold up the paper of, you know, is this you, Miss Wilson? Uh, yes, Your Honor, uh, that's me. Uh, is this your signature? Uh, yeah, that's my signature. Yeah, I signed it. Well, guess what? You just signed your backside right over to the courts. Get ready. You're either going to pay a fine for the charge, you are the card, so they're going to charge you, and you're either going to come out of your pocket, your checkbook, your cash app, whatever it takes, or your backside is going behind the wall, and they'll take it out through your indebted bonded, bondage, your indebted the charge you could not pay financially, you are now indebted. You will pay out of your sweat labor. It gets deep, ladies and gentlemen. It's more to a courtroom than a judge, a prosecution, and a defense attorney. And some people sitting in the back row. It's deeper than that. 
but you got to study Masonic laws. You got to understand what a judge understands, understands before you open your mouth and try to defend yourself to the judge. Because you can say one wrong word and it's a wrap. It's a wrap. So, we can say as much as we want to say about the systems of justice. But be assured, ladies and gentlemen, that the American justice system starts in the judge's courtroom. Do not be confused about that point. So why do some people get 25, 35, 45 years and other people <laughs> I can't wait to see what's going to happen to uh, Kimberly Potter the fatal mix-up who shot and killed Demetrius Wright Demetri Dante Demetrius Wright we know him as Dante Wright, but it's Dante Demetrius Wright. And then the officer that shot and murdered Patrick Loyola in the back of the head, laying on the ground with one arm already behind his back. Why not pull the cuffs, put him in the handcuffs, call for your backup. Where's the other police officers? Because it was a simple traffic stop that got out of control. Patrick Loyola did not comprehend what was going on. So he started running. And I don't blame him because most black men in America, when you see the cops, the first inclination is to run for your life. Because it could be the last thing that you ever do. Even if you're not guilty of anything, just run. Because they say we all look alike. So that's a, a black man's first inclination. I'm a black woman and I think if I see the police, I might want to run too. And I haven't done anything wrong. But if they stop me, I have the language in order to deal with that. Some of us have that language. And for some, no matter how much language you have, how much knowledge you know of what to say, that can be impactful, sometimes it doesn't matter. If the police is on a rampage or they're on their own personal thing and they want to arrest you today, today could be your lucky day, your unlucky day to be arrested. So language is important, ladies and gentlemen. Do not get that part twisted. Language is exceptionally important when you're talking about being in the courtrooms, dealing or confronting the police. You got to know what to say and you got to know how to say it. Ladies, let me, let me say this for my Boston babes out there, for all my beautiful women. 
you find yourself in a situation whether you're right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm, I'm not. I'm not telling you about that. I'm asking. I'm, I'm suggesting this to you. You find yourself in a situation where the lights are going off behind you, and the police are pulling you over. Pull over. Make sure all of your doors are locked. Your cell phone is activated on record on your dash. Do all of this. The moment that you start pulling over, make sure your phone is on record on your dash. All of the doors to your vehicle are locked and you roll your window down just about so in order to correspond with that officer when they approach the side, the driver's side of your car, your vehicle. This is for my ladies. Make sure your hands are up on the wheel and that I suggest for brothers and sisters. Put your hands up on the wheel so they're clearly seen. Already, if you can, before they even approach your car, get your license, registration, get all of that stuff out. So it's right there so you don't have to reach over into your glove box where they can say they thought they saw a gun. I'm giving you jug, uh, you know, jewels, nuggets of jewels here. But I know that most of us know that. Make sure that we we share that information with our young children. If you have a young person in your life that you love, you make sure that you share that with them. Always hands on the wheel at 10 and 2. And our little girls, as they've gotten their driver's license, you know, they've graduated. Now they've got a little car. Mom and dad gave them a little car. Now they're running around. They're cool with their friends and their bossing, right? You make sure you, you explain these things. It could save their lives. Get that cell phone up on your dash. Turn it on. Record. Hands at 10 and 2. Lock all your doors and give yourself about a good, uh, I guess, a foot there. About a good 12 inches on the window so that you can correspond comfortably, non-threateningly to the police officer as they approach the side of your vehicle. That was a sidebar. That was a sidebar. Because that just hit my spirit. And I said, let me just say that. But where I was before I went on my sidebar about the police and young ladies, I was telling you that our judges, some people get a harsh sentence and some people don't. Some of us are advocating fervently. And that may seem incredulous. That may seem incredulous to some people. But we are advocating fervently and good legislators, good people are fighting at Legislative Hall right here in the state of Delaware just to make sure that the laws are changed, that, 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 that we have a shot, a fair shot at fair laws. And judges have to follow those laws. But see, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't know the law, how would we know if they're following it or not? That is our ignorance. And ignorance of the law is no defense. How are you going to defend yourself in a court of law if you don't even understand your charges? You don't know who you are. And you don't know enough about the law 
to know how to speak the language to the judge. Maybe you think you're too old to learn. Maybe you think you'd never do anything uh, that would bring the law into your life. I get it. I was a high school teacher. And I'll tell you, I never thought that I would get a phone call at 3.30, 3.15, 3.30 in the morning from my son telling me, now, I went to bed believing he was on his way catching the bus coming home or driving uh, back home. I get a call at 3.30 in the morning. My son is on the other line, and my whole world changed. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything personally. But when you mess with my child, my seed, you messing with Mama Bear. Right? Wouldn't, wouldn't every mother agree with me? Every decent, good mother who loves their child would agree with me. Mess with me is one thing. You mess with my seed, my cub, you're going to see Mama Bear. You're going to see Mama Bear. You're going to meet Mama Bear up close and personal. Mess with my seed. So I didn't do anything. But I got a phone call at 3.30 in the morning that rocked my world and changed my life. Forced me to pick up the book and learn the law. I was forced. I had no choice. I had to learn it because I didn't understand what the heck it just happened in my world. What in the world just happened to Rochelle Wilson? Now, 13 years later, I know what happened, but I can't go back. I can't turn the clock back and make right. I've got to move forward and make right. What we know is systemically wrong. We know it's systemically wrong. We know it's systemically wrong that some people get an ankle bracelet and probation and other people get 25 years of incarceration. Is that just because of our ignorance of the law, not knowing the law? Is that why? Is that why it happens to some of us and not all of us? Well, what are we going to do to change it? What are you going to do? Are you going to wait until the courts come knocking on your door? Are you going to wait until someone you love is incarcerated and calls you at 3.30 in the morning to say, uh, uh, yeah. What is it going to take for you to get up, grab a dictionary, any dictionary, and just start looking up words? I know you can Google them right on your phone. I think that's awesome. Use your cellular devices. Use your computerized devices to Google and do the research. But baby, there's something really special about a good old-fashioned paper dictionary. There's something special about it. And I pay my dues and my time. 
I do it on a Google search. I do it on an old-fashioned paper uh, dictionary, the Black's Law Dictionary. I agree. A friend of mine from Facebook, Mr. Eddie Pulleybank, he's been one of my dearest comrades since I started this movement, uh, always faithful and loyal to me. Uh, and I, I believe what I read him saying is that um, judicial systems need to be equal and even, regardless of color, money, etc., uh, but they do have different sentences for different races, and uh, each crime needs to have a set of punishment for all, regardless of the color and who they are. So, yes, I absolutely agree, Eddie. I absolutely agree. Some people think Eddie is a bit argumentative, and he can be. He can be, but it has been through some of our greatest debates that I have learned the most from Mr. Eddie Pulleybank. So thank you, Eddie. I appreciate those heated, fiery debates uh, of, of left, right, uh, back, forth, up, down. Thank you. But that is the whole point of today's message, ladies and gentlemen. Some people get in a courtroom and they get a sentence. Other people get in a courtroom, they get probation, an ankle bracelet, they go home, we have dinner with their families. Is that because of our own ignorance? Is there something that we can do about that? Certainly, we must hold our elected officials, our public servants, the elected public servants that serve us, their constituents. They want our vote, and in return for our vote, we put them in office so that they can, so that they can advocate for what our concerns are. They serve us publicly. They serve the public. So our public servants, elected public servants, are working to change the laws. You can get involved with that. You can be a part of that. Get involved. Get involved, ladies and gentlemen. The more of us that stand together, united, uh, we are a force to be reckoned with. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? What happens? My son and I, we, uh, we ask each other that question and uh, we have a good time answering those questions for each other. But this is your opportunity to answer the question. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? You got to get involved, ladies and gentlemen. You are the solution to fair and equitable justice. You make it easier for the advocates such as Hanif Salam, uh, Timeless Thomas, Rochelle Wilson, and so many others, so many others. We're involved and we're doing it from our little neck of the woods. Everybody's trying to do a little piece of something to build a better system for justice. You got to get involved too. You're never too old to learn it. You're never too old or outdated to, to, to be a part of something. If you can't do nothing but send an email, 
Maybe you can't show up at the rally and the protest. Or as Mar uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm X used to call them, parades. He didn't even call them protests or marches. He thought they were just a whole bunch of uh, N-words parading. Now, Malcolm X said that, using the N-word. Just a whole bunch of N-words parading. That's what he said. He said those words, not me. But whatever it is that you can do to be a part of the solution, please get involved. Stand up, speak up, learn it, read it, study it, Google it, read it on paper, whatever you have to do to change the system in this nation. I'm in Delaware, so I have to start Right here, I'm in Delaware. I'm not in Chicago or, or Florida. As much as I want to change the systems in those places, Ohio. I want to change the systems nationally. But I'm right here in Delaware. So i got to start here. And prayerfully, the opportunity will present itself to me this year where I will be publicly speaking all across this nation. Bringing awareness and advocacy to the judicial accountability in the justice systems. All I need is one person to call me and invite me to come out and speak and pay me. You gonna pay me? Come on, I'm ready. I'm on the next something, train, boat, whatever. Because I'm passionate about this. Because it knocked on my door and it took my son. It kidnapped my only child broke up my family, very close-knit family, separated us and pulled us apart. The justice system, the judge's accountability in the justice system. If you wanted to change for your family, for your loved one and your posterity, you got to get up now and be a part of the solution. There's no more excuses. These are serious times, ladies and gentlemen, serious times. Legislative Hall for the State of Delaware closes on June 30th. It closes, and all the decisions will have been made for this particular fiscal year. So we've only got a few more sessions, maybe two or three sessions left for the month of June, and then that's it. It shuts down. And then we start back, um, I don't know, I have to ask Hanif Salam. <laughs> it starts back and then we start all over again. So by the time it starts back, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to have yourself together. Read your book, study your law, comprehend and know your rights constitutionally and be a part of the change. I'm Rochelle Wilson for Make Some Intelligent Noise. <clears throat> here at WHGE 95.3 FM, your one and only black-owned, black-operated news information advocacy and education station in the state of Delaware, broadcasting to you from the city of Wilmington. Until we meet next time, please save Mother Planet Earth. You need her to live and survive. So take care of her. Recycle and do not pollute our waters. Be good to yourself and each other. Peace and grace.
We did it again. Another great show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please share, share, share this video. I will be posting it. Uh, oh, my hair is a wreck. I will be posting it on my Facebook, I mean, my YouTube channels. I am podcasting it. So please share, share, share. And let's get the message out to everyone. You never know. What I say today might save someone's life. Peace and grace. Love y'all. Mwah, mwah, mwah.